Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No. Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to a David Crime Podcast. Your crime of day keeps the doctor away. Here are your hosts, David and Geneva McClain. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of A David Crime. We're your hosts, David. And Geneva. You're listening to Season 3, Episode 29. Geneva, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. You know, it's it's cooled down a little, a little in Florida. I mean, people be acting like it's real cold, you know, because it hit like, I don't know, like 70 degrees or something. Let me tell y'all, that is not cold, okay? I'm from the Midwest, from Iowa, Minnesota. That, no, 70 is not cold, guys. Y'all don't need whole sweaters, okay? That's all I'm saying. How is it there, Dad? Pretty good. You know, I can't even pretend to be a Minnesota brother no more because I've been out here about 20 years. And out here in the valley, 70 degrees is cold, so I got sweatshirts on the whole nine. But it's been pretty good out here. You know, I know... I know you look at me like that, but when I first came down here, I remember when I first met Beth and I came to visit, the dude was on TV, the weatherman, right? And he was like, today is going to be cold in Antelope Valley. It's going to be a very brisk 68 degrees, right? And I'll bust it out laughing. I'm like, 68 degrees, dude, that's short weather where I'm from. Now I lived out here for 20 years. Yeah, it kind of ain't no joke. So, you know, I'll freeze to death going to Minnesota now. At 70 degrees, <clears throat> I'm still wearing a tank top and shorts. Everything's going good. Hey, I've already voted. Have you voted yet? I have. I voted early. So did I. So I, we went and voted today. I wanted to go last week. But the one thing that me and Beth do, because we take it seriously, is we like to sit down. We go through all the propositions that they're being offered. We go through all the candidates. And then we actually have our sample ballots. We mark all of that so we can just go in and vote. So last week, we was going to do that and didn't. So we did it all last night. And I went and voted today. I did not want to go vote on Super Tuesday for a number of reasons. One, it's going to be hectic. Everybody and their grandma is going to be there. And at least here in California, over the last two weeks or so since we had early voting, it's been chill. It's been like walk in, vote, walk out. So we wanted to make sure we got that done early so it's done. It was very important to us to vote, which I hope everybody listening to us took that seriously and voted. Because by the time you hear this, it will be past super tuesday and we hope that you guys wouldn't vote i didn't vote for blood for blue or red i voted for america and that was my vote which is what who i Me thought too. would lead this country out of what we're in i looked over the last four years what we got i was very fair 
didn't just walk in slamming anybody. I want, you know, I looked at what's happened, what's going on now, what everybody said, and I just made my vote. How did how how did you take that? I vote based off of um, you know, the the candidates. You know what I mean? What I think is best uh overall for the country, what I think would be the best outcome, that's how I vote. So show my opinion one way or the other. That is true. Uh, anyone that follows me on Facebook will know that. At, at the end of the day, right, regardless, at the end of the day, you only have a couple of choices. You know what I'm saying? So you have to pick which one you think will be the best. So that's how I voted as well. Um, and I just wanted to add that there are so many people that have never voted before. I, and I don't mean like fresh 18-year-olds. I mean adults you know, in like 30s, 40s, 50s. I mean, I can think of two of my friends, two of my friends I saw come across my newsfeed today said that they voted today for the very first time ever. And they are, they're older than me. You know, they're, they're in like their 30s, 40s. I think one might be in his 50s, but at least they're 30s and 40s. So it's very, very important that y'all vote. I've been trying to share as much stuff on social media, you know, saying go vote, go vote, go vote. I think what it is, too, is this should show everybody the importance of this vote. I have never in my life, my now 48 years uh, since I've been able to vote since 18, I have never seen so many commercials urging people to go vote. And everywhere I turn is urging people to go vote. So I hope you guys did um, take that and do that. All right. Last couple of things to uh, make mention you guys when we start this case is, as you guys know, we did speak to our podcast movement last week. and. At this point, we found no way to get that out of the paywall. So what we wanted to kind of do is let you guys know a little bit of what we spoke about and maybe give you a little tidbit from that speech that we did that maybe you guys didn't know because I don't think we've ever really discussed it on the podcast before. So Podcast Movement is the world's biggest convention for podcasters. We had a whole lot of famous people come in there. Lillian Garcia, who did 15 years at WWE, has a podcast now that got picked up by the network. She was there. Mark Cuban, who's the owner of Dallas Mavericks and also is one of the sharks on Shark Take. He came and gave a speech. It was big. So we were among the biggest podcasters ever. And over the next uh, few episodes, we're going to shout some of those out who we sat on the stage with. So it was just an honor for us to be called uh, one of the best podcasts to be able to sit on the stage because some of these guys are doing longer than we have at the same time, but they have a bigger following than we do. We are Spreaker Prime members proudly. So if you guys go to the Spreaker page and you click on that Prime, we show up within the first two rows and we also put on the true crime. Spreaker took a liking to us and thought that we had a unique story and Amy's been great to us and brought us on. I'll tell you a little bit what we talked about. So here's what we probably never talked about before. So we, it was about... Uh, we had to speak on what keeps us unique in the congested marketplace. And basically, we felt that what keeps us unique, first of all, is that me and Geneva is father and daughter. We are the only father and daughter true crime or podcasting team ever. We've never met another one. We've searched for them. They're not there. So here's a little piece of the story that we did tell. If you guys never knew this, I cannot take credit for uh, David Crime being here. Now, I can take credit for help naming it and helping her with the color schemes and everything else. But it was not my idea. The truth of the matter is, is that Geneva and I was discussing OJ one night right around 2016-ish. Um, and she started saying, we need to do a podcast. And I was like, absolutely not going to happen. 
I had just done about 11 years on YouTube. That was a whole different piece with monetization and how to put stuff up. I'm like, this is a whole different realm. You got to have different equipment. You got no different things. You got to learn edit. Ah, I'm not going to do it. So basically, if you guys never met my daughter, uh, she's a little bit like me. She's very persistent if there's something that she really wants or thinks is really a good idea. And so for about a year straight, she stayed on my case. Every time we had a conversation, it was about, Dad, we need to do the podcast. Dad, we need to do the podcast. And I was like, no, no, no. So finally, one day, I went to my wife and I said, she just is not going to be quiet until I do this podcast. So I'm going to give it a shot. And so I threw some milestones. I, th- I threw some stones out there to see if she was really serious. I said, you know, we're going to do this. You're going to have to get different equipment. We're going to have to do this. You may not get it now, but you got to buy stuff. So she said, all right. So she called, oh, I just bought a blue mic. She was serious. So I said six months. So in May of 2018, we uploaded our first episode, which was the OJ. Right before then, we uploaded a little bit of a sneak peek what it was going to be about. And I said, I had told my wife and I told her, I said, I give you six months. I said, we'll be done in six months. We're not going to like this anymore. So two and a half years later, about 93 episodes, three seasons, <laughs> We're still here and we're being very successful. And that's what we talked about. Geneva, what you got to say about that, being that this is your brainchild that we are sitting here. All I got to say is, you know, you cannot listen. When I have a a dream or a vision or something like you are not going to get it out of my head. Like, I mean, good on you. You tried. You tried real hard. Um, yeah, so originally the idea was brought up in about 2016, and then I got pregnant with my daughter, Ariana. Y'all seen her on the Instagram, you know. And actually, that's when it got put on hold, because that was like, you can't possibly do a podcast and take care of a baby, blah, blah. So she was a little older by the time that we started. I think she was like almost a year old before we started, because she's... She's three now. We've been going about two and a half years. So she was almost a year old. And I was like, listen, we need to do this. We need to do it. We need to do it. And there were a lot of like hurdles and hiccups, you know, people. I ain't mentioning no names, but people didn't like to be leaving the little tiny apartment that I lived in so I could do it. You know, people be coming in and out. A mess. Okay. But, you know, I I remember when I ordered my my first microphone, which I still have it, but I had ordered the blue mic and it just had like a little tiny tabletop stand. Like I, and I remember it came as like a, it came as like a, it was just a USB mic, but it came as like a, um, like a pack. Like there was a whole set. So it had the pop screen. It had a pair of really cheap, like the, the crappiest headphones, honestly. Um, and then the microphone, and my dad was like, you're going to want to get new headphones, blah, blah, blah. So I ended up getting some discounted Beats, my first pair of Beats. They were, like, bright pink. Um, and I got them really discounted on Amazon. I think they were, like, $80 or something. Um, and I used those for a long time. And now, you know, we got a whole setup. But, yeah, it definitely took some convincing. You know, you you was really trying to get me off the track. And I was like, it's not happening. And I was like, we can make so many memories. It'll be something I can listen back on for years to come. We can, you know, have the... I was, like, throwing my siblings in there. I was like, oh, the siblings can come on. You know, we can have guests. And Dad was like, no, nah, we're not doing this. We ain't doing it. We ain't doing it. 
And then he was like, I give it six months. And I was like, okay. One of the things that got me was you was like, we can make memories. So I'm like, all right, you know, if we have six months of memories and when I'm dead, you can look back on it. At least, you know, she can come to my gravesite and say, all right, dad, at least we try. You know, that way it's off my conscience and we making some memories. But a lot of the stuff I was throwing out there, I wasn't doing it to be a deterrent. It was true. I'm like, all right, well, we going to start this. We can start with the stuff we have, but you're going to have to be willing to put some money in this if we decide to get serious about it. Because I, being a musician and being on YouTube for so many years, I do know what equipment you have to have. And that's the one thing I've always had about YouTube videos. They're trying to tell people how to start a podcast. They're telling you how to start it now, but they're not telling you what you would need to have in the future if you're going to be serious about that craft. Because it's like any other craft, you got to put money into it. Um, so after we did this so about a year, I mean, and just, just let you guys know, we never started the podcast to make money. That was not our, our thing, right? A lot of people start podcasts to make millions and money and all that. Understand that we just got the deal with Spreaker. We've only been with Spreaker about six months, I think. And we was at Lipson forever, and we were never monetized over there. We were uh, So after we started buying equipment and figuring out how expensive it was, we said, we're going to have to try to monetize this on our own. So we did, did various things, like we went through di different podcasting companies. Um, you guys have heard of Podcorn before that had this propped up. None of these things was working. And then um, I finally went to, went to her and I said, this is just going to be how it is. You know, I hope you, if, if you're happy with the fact that we're never probably going to make a lot of money from this, we'll keep doing it. And she goes, I'm just enjoying doing it. And we really enjoyed it. And then Spreaker came along and they said, hey, we think you guys are unique. We want to bring you over to our program. And it's not like we make a ton of money. Any money we do make, we put back into the business just to show you guys who's donated to us what we've accomplished. The board deck that we use is a Rollcaster Pro. If you guys look that up, it retails for $1,000, right? So it costs us six, about 670 bucks just for the board. Geneva and I are using all professional microphones. We're using Shure microphones. Those are all XLRs. She has to have a USB interface for that. Uh, our whole production is run digitally. So I'm on MacBook Pro. She's on MacBook Air. We utilize iPads. And of course, from her geniusness, she creates all of our digital planners that we do use for the podcast. So I want you guys to know that's where your money goes. But we just wanted to tell you that story before we start the case to give you a little piece of what our speech was at Podcast Movement. So since it looks like we're not going to be able to bring that all out here just give you that taste. But I wanted to put it out there since we've never discussed it. And this is what we did discuss a podcast movement that Geneva is the reason we are here. I am glad that she did it. I really enjoy it. It does. Uh, I try to spend time with all of my kids. Uh, I give them the, the option of when they want to talk and things of that nature. My middle daughter, Bree said, okay, dad, every Monday, you know, between four and six, give me a call. So every Monday, uh, right before we come to shoot, I talk to my middle child, and me and Geneva talks the most because we're business partners, too. That's what we wanted to say about that. So that was podcast movement, guys. So you have Geneva to thank for a day with crime. Thank you guys for listening to us for two and a half years. And we're going to keep doing this until the wheels fall off. So I'm, I'm going to be 90s and going, well, I'm going to a day with crime. But I'm going to be here. I mean, I'm just saying, a day with crime will be defunct once you're gone. So. I mean, you know, I, I got some I got some other podcast ideas in the works, so y'all probably won't get rid of me on this platform anytime soon. This is very therapeutic for me, which sounds weird because we talk about, like, murder. <laughs> I think what it is is that we talk about these cases, no matter what we're going through in life, 
you know, it goes to that saying that somebody always has it worse than you. And when I right. do some of these cases and I see some of the things behind it, I'm like, man, I'm never going to complain about this thing again. It's kind of like the show I was watching. Um, I think it was a cooking show the other day. No, it was uh, Undercover Boss. And I can't remember what cupboard it was, but he was the coolest he ever seen. He's a little Asian guy. I love that show. And he went out to his plants. And part of, <laughs> part of the plants was they have to put the scoops in the powder. And he didn't realize that it was all on a production line. So these things are coming at like four or five every like 40 seconds. And he's supposed to drop the scoop in perfectly. And so he finally said, if I ever get a canister again, that doesn't have a scoop in it. I'm never, ever complaining because he knows how right. hard it is. We've taken over your time. Let us get on to this case. We wanted to just point those few things out for you. At the very end of this episode, we do have a couple more things to run by you that Geneva and I are going to change in the podcast. It's going to be for the best for you guys, the listener. But let us get started on today's case. Today's case is going to be a little bit of a chilling one. I hope it's one you guys have heard of, but it's going to be on Paul Stefani. You guys all know him best as the weepy-voiced killer. Geneva, this is your case. Take it away. All right, so I'm going to just preface this real quick. I feel really weird calling people by their last name. First of all, it trips me up. So the way that my that all the notes I took this time are typed, I do use first names for literally everyone, or I use their full name, like their first and last name. But I'm not going to be calling people by their last name. It's weird, and it doesn't come out natural. So, all right, so this week's case is Paul Stefani, or the Weeby Voice Killer. I think he's more well-known as the Weeby Voice Killer because I actually could not remember what his name was. I just knew him by Weeby Voice Killer. So, he was born September 8th, 1944. He was known as the Weepy Voice Killer due to a series of phone calls he made to police anonymously reporting his crimes in a remorseful and high-pitched voice. And he did end up killing three women in the Minneapolis-St. Paul area. So December 31st, 1980, Paul beat Karen Potok in St. Paul, Minnesota, inflicting severe wounds and brain injury. Paul himself called police at 3 a.m. to report the attack, directing police to a location where, quote, unquote, there is a girl hurt there. Now, if we want to put this into context, I do have an actual clip of that call. And we will leave the, the, the link in the description if you guys want to go see the whole entire video. So we want to thank Cryptic from YouTube for the use of this. Let me play it for you so you get a gist of exactly what this guy sounds like. Yes, please. This is an emergency. Please send a squad to Pierce Butler Road, a Malmberg Manufacturing Company machine shop. Please, there's an ambulance, too. There's a girl hurt there. Can you tell me what happened to her? Just hurry. There's a, she's laying on the ground in the back by the, by the railroad tracks, by the edge what, What's the address? I don't know. Who are you? All right, so that is the exact call, and that is the exact voice of the Weeby Voice Killer. I just could not, I just need to interject this here. I just could not imagine being the police on the other side of that call, because every time I hear his voice, it makes my skin crawl. Like, it's just, and it's not even the fact that it's, like, high-pitched. I think it's the fact that you know 
what he did, right? It's kind of like my best example is like the, is like Chris Watts. Like if you just watch because I watched a lot of the stuff when it first came out was out of context for me. I didn't realize that he was a murderer, right? But then when you go back and I watch it now, like there's a whole like creep factor to it because we already know what he's done. Right. All right. So June 3rd, 1981, um, the next victim was Kimberly Compton. She was an 18-year-old student from Wisconsin, um, but she went to college, I think. From from the way that it looked, she actually attended college in St. Paul because Wisconsin is right next to Minnesota, so it's not uncommon for people to travel between states. After killing her, Paul again contacted police pleading, GD, will you find me? I just stabbed somebody with an ice pick. I can't stop myself. I keep killing somebody. Two days later, he called police to say he was sorry for stabbing Kimberly and would turn himself in. However, he did not. On June 6th, Paul called to say newspaper accounts of some of the murders were inaccurate. His next call came on June 11th. In a whimpering, barely coherent voice, he cried, I'm sorry for what I did to Compton. Well, I think the one thing is, he's kind of a different serial killer because he was actually crying out to get caught. I mean, he kept saying, yeah. he don't want to kill anybody. Can you please come find me? Um, he was the only serial killer I ever ran across that apologized for killing somebody. Uh, so I don't know what torment he was in, but I think he's the first one that has a conscience because no one else, no, yeah. no matter what serial killer we cover, has even BTK, he was up there smiling and cheesing and grinning the whole time he was giving his confession, right? So, you know, he must have had a conscience, but he was begging to be caught. Yeah, I mean, I think that he definitely recognized that he had an issue, like he had a problem. I mean, it was to the point when after he killed Kimberly Compton, he was like, you know, will you find me? I want to be stopped. Like, help me. You know what I mean? It was like a cry for help. Um, but also he wasn't willing to turn himself in. So there was some kind of conflicting something inside of him that was like, I want to be caught, but I don't want to turn myself in. All right. The next victim was Kathleen Greening, who was found dead at her home just outside of St. Paul. Paul Stefani did confess to drowning her in her bathtub at her Roseville residence. But this was later on, and I'll explain that in a minute, but it, it was not right away like these other ones. It was later on. His fourth and last victim was Barbara Simons, a 40-year-old nurse on the Minneapolis side of the Mississippi River. The two met at the Hexagon Bar after Barbara gave Paul an extra cigarette. After spending the night at the bar with Paul, Barbara told a waitress, he's cute. I hope he's nice since he's giving me a ride home. Barbara was found stabbed to death the next day. There were no calls after her death. I'm sorry, after Kathleen's death. But Paul did contact police after Barbara's death. And he said, please don't talk. Just listen. I'm sorry I killed that girl. I stabbed her 40 times. Kimberly Compton was the first one over in St. Paul. First of all, I don't know, you know, what Barbara was saying because Paul Stefani is not that cute. I mean, that in the manly he way really possible. Is not. He was not a handsome guy. 
I do echo what Geneva said, though. Don't go home with people because you never know who you get in the car with. And I know this is back, you know, in the 80s where this was a little bit more on the, on the, on the acceptable side. Still, you shouldn't just be hopping in cars with people. The thing that I kind of wanted to know is why would he stab her 40 times? Now, in true crime and in crime period, there's a, there's a point of somebody killing you to be killing you. And then there's a point where they call overkill. And usually when you go into overkill, it's something that is personal. You know, you did something to this person, they hated you. And depending on where you was wounded, right, would kind of give the investigators a little bit of a leeway or a little bit of an idea of what you probably could have done to this person to do this. But he had just met her and he stabbed her 40 times. Why do you think he might have done that? I mean, it was definitely overkill. I'm not sure if he lost control. I mean, we've seen that happen in cases. You know, I, there's not really, there There was something I could find that said maybe she fought back. You know, we see that in cases. It, it's really hard to know exactly why he would cry. I mean, especially because what trips me up about this case is the dude called the police himself. That's what trips me up. It, but that, but that's what trips me up is that you stab this woman forty times, but yeah, you're calling on yourself every time you kill somebody. Well, every time, but one time, uh, he did not call about Kathleen. So I'm not sure if if maybe he because he seems to know that he loses control and that's why he kills people. But it's not like a Ted Bundy situation where he's going out there killing people because it's enjoyable. You know what I mean? It's kind of like a Jekyll and Hyde situation, which is why I say that he's definitely a different serial killer. Right. Because there has been serial killers in the past that has called the police. BTK did. Uh, BTK has to the police off, I think, to the Otero murders, if I remember correctly. But he wasn't sitting here saying, I'm sorry and come get me. You know, he was no. just basically saying, yeah, somebody, you know, at this address, you're going to find X, Y, and Z, go get them. This kid here, you know, Paul Stefani's like, I'm sorry, can you come get me? Somebody catch me. But he was still playing that part of the killer in him that he's not going to give up. He's not just going to come lay down at the feet of the police. You got to come out and get me, which always struck me weird about him because I'm like, dude, you are a serial killer with a conscience. And I think maybe, you know, he never used other things that other serial killers have had used, right? He didn't say it was Factor X or the devil made him do it or he was hearing voices. It's true that he probably could have had split personalities. You know, as at some point, that other personality who's the killer took over and then he snaps out of it. There's been a number of movies made about that and it does happen. I mean, it's, yeah, I mean, it's scary, but maybe that's the part of him that comes out and says, I can't believe what I did this. Let's call the police. But you is right. He called on himself every time. All right. So August 21st, 1982, Paul Stefani picked up a 19-year-old sex worker named Denise Williams in Minneapolis. Denise sensed something was wrong when Paul began driving through a dark suburban area rather than returning her back to the city where he had originally picked her up. After turning onto a dead-end road, he stabbed her 15 times with a screwdriver. During the attack, Denise was able to hit Paul over the head with a glass bottle, causing cuts to his head and face. Her screams drew the attention of a man who lived nearby, and upon seeing Paul trying to stab Denise again probably to silence her, began to wrestle with him, causing Paul to flee the scene. 
The man was able to call for an ambulance and later help identify identify Paul Stefani. However, when Paul returned to his apartment, he noticed he was bleeding badly and sought medical help. It was this call that confirmed that Paul was indeed the weepy voice killer and linked him to the Denise Williams attack. Further in-depth investigative work later connected Paul to the murder of Barbara Simons. All right, so it looks like that's the part where he got caught. Do you think he was ready to get caught at that point? I mean, I think he was ready to get caught after the first time. So again, we're back to the, what I would consider overkill. Well, I mean, this girl ended up dying, thank God. But I mean, now we're using screwdrivers. So it's like that he's using whatever he has his hands on. So again, not like a typical serial killer, right? He doesn't have a kill kit. He don't have a favorite knife. He has no way of binding people. None of that. I don't know why that is, but he is probably one of the most unprepared serial killers I've ever seen, which again is what leads me to believe at least that he might have split personalities, that maybe he really was outside of himself when he did these things, and it could be a mental health issue. I mean, I definitely agree. There's some, there's something there that makes it so that he's killing people, but also something there that's making it so he wants to be caught. That's not normal behavior for a serial killer to be like, please come get me before I kill someone else. Right. I mean, you begging to be caught and begging to be stopped, and you're calling police on yourself. I mean, it just, it just makes no sense out of the typical serial killer cases that we've heard and that we've done. So during Paul Stefani's trial in the... Barbara Simon's murder case, Paul's ex-wife, his sister, and a woman who lived with him testified that they believe the hysterical caller revealing the attacks was, in fact, Paul Stefani. Those observations alone were not enough to identify Paul as a weeby voice killer since the hysterical crying distorted the voice. Paul was convicted of the Barbara Simon's murder and of the attempted murder of Denise Williams and was sentenced to 40 years. He wouldn't last long, however because he did die in prison in 1988 due to cancer. Um, This, when he was diagnosed in 1997 with skin cancer, he was also told that he had less than a year to live. And this is when he did confess to the murders of Kim Compton or Kimberly Compton, Barbara Simons, and Kathy Greening. He had not been a suspect in the murder of Kathy since he had not even made a phone call to police like he had in other cases. In all, he confessed to a beating attack in 1980, stabbing Kimberly Compton to death in 1981, drowning Kathy Greening in 1982, stabbing Barbara Simons to death in 1982 as well, and, of course, also stabbing Denise Williams in 1982. That concludes our case on the Weeby Voice Killer. As strange as it was, what's your final thoughts on Paul Stefani? I mean, he definitely has some kind of issue. All serial killers have some kind of an issue. He is a very unique case just because he called the police on himself. And I know we have other cases like the Zodiac. We have cases like BTK where they like taunt the police. But Paul Stefani did not taunt the police like he wanted them to come find him. I mean, my final thought is, you know, he's no longer with us. Obviously, he died in 1998. I would have been like six or seven years old. 
So I don't remember this case like ever being like I don't remember seeing it like on the news or anything. I'm sure it was, but I don't remember seeing it. But yeah, I mean, I think, you know, obviously he was put in the best place for him and he ended up dying in prison. So, I mean, that's my final thought. It's a very strange case. Well, I know that everybody says that people try to use this as an excuse. And I'm really not. But I am going to say that mental health does play a part in serial killers or killing periods sometimes. And I do think that's Paul Stefani falls in that category just by some of the things that he did that other serial killers have never done before, calling police on himself, apologizing, wanting to be caught, putting himself in certain positions, things of that nature. I will say I do think that he has something a little bit mental with him. He's never used the excuses, like I said, that other serial killers have used, whether their excuses are real to them, like Factor X or the devil made him do it, or he's hearing voices. I just think he had an urge to kill, and the only way to get that out was to kill someone, and he was begging to be caught. So I do say pay attention to those around you that if anybody does seem like they may have some kind of mental issue, may not all be fun and games all the time. There may be something wrong with them, that only you can help. All right, guys. Well, that brings us to the end of this one. We do thank you for tuning in to this episode today. Geneva, do you have any shout outs? Yeah. Now, my first shout out is not, you know, a podcast or a YouTube channel. No, it's a birthday shout out because, Dad, you had a birthday on November 1st. <laughs> Somehow I thought I was going to escape this part. I just just thought I was going to (laughs) escape. I mean, I could have let you, except that you're not going to let me escape it for my birthday. So happy birthday, Dad. You know, I know that your cake said 48, but I'm going to just pretend they said 50 and call it a day. I love you. I hope you had a great day, homie. I did have a good day. Uh, Everybody made it special. All you kids as remote did too. Uh, it was kind of hard. It's my first one without my mom. So, you know, I did put out there that usually every one of my birthdays, she's lived with us, she walks out of the room and she always says, happy birthday, old man. And then she proceeds to raise my to raise my age by 10, 20, 15 years. So usually something like, happy birthday, old man. How old are you today, 60? That's when I look up and say, mom, weren't you there when I was born, you know, 48 years ago? But no, it was a good birthday. I appreciate it. Well, see, I only raised your age by two, so... Well, that means the more you raise my age, the more yours got to raise too, homie. <laughs> that's fine. I ain't scared of 30, even though I'm not even 30 yet. But, you know, so, yeah, that's my first shout out. My second shout out is actually one of the podcasts that we were on our um, podcast movement panel with. I'm going to just say the whole name. Y'all can be mad if you want, but I'm going to just say the whole name because that it is their podcast. But it is called True Crime Bullshit. Great podcast, honestly. Like, I actually have listened to their podcast or to his podcast before uh, we were even on podcast movement with him. I kept it down, but, you know, I was a little starstruck, you know, seeing Josh on the our, you know, our panel or whatever, uh, because I have listened to his podcast before. Like, it's actually a podcast that is in my podcast app. So then I'm like subscribe to it and all that stuff. But I do know that the the title for his or the name for his podcast, uh, he covers Israel Keys 
If you've never heard the Israel Keys case, y'all in for it because he does like three seasons on Israel Keys. But it's actually a quote or part of a quote from Israel Keys, and that's why he named it that. So very great podcast. Please go listen to it. I've never shouted out before just because I didn't know if anyone else would be as like intrigued by it as me. But, you know, there you go. True crime bullshit. Go listen to it. Tell him that we sent you because he knows who we are, which is really cool. Any shout outs from you, Dad? Well, we're going to be doing Israel Keys at some point, but we ain't going to be doing it for three seasons. So if you do want to know the in-depth, I mean, going deep down to the barrel, you have to go and check Josh out because he really does an excellent job with that. But I do have a shout out. Once again, it was somebody we sat on stage with. So today I'm going to shout out the true crime podcast, Murderers, Minors, Killer Kids. Now, she goes by the name War Baby. Her name is Simone. She is a super cool young lady who rocks the heck out of this super white mohawk. Many women, especially women of color, cannot pull this off. But if you ever see her, it goes well. So her whole entire podcast is exactly what it sounds like. It's Murderers, Minors, all about killer kids. She has about 108 episodes. And until I found her podcast... I don't think I realized that there were so many crimes and murders that was actually committed by minors. So if you were screamish about hearing kid, uh, crimes committed by children or adolescents, this would not be the podcast for you. But if you're okay with that or hearing something about that, she does cover a lot of cases that we didn't know was out there that either we did know about, but she does a, a, a bit more in-depth review or dive into it. Well, she's actually talked to some of the parents or whoever it is, and then we actually get the conclusion of what actually happened to them. So Murderers, Minors, Killer Kids by War Baby. Highly suggested. We'll be leaving War Babies and Josh's links to their podcast in the bottom of the show notes at this episode. Please make sure to check them out. All right, so just a couple of more things to wrap up here, as we said. So one of them is... We said we was coming up with a different model. So soon, uh, we'll give you the official word. Geneva and I are going to be moving away from Patreon. And here's the reason why. So we have been told that there's been a number of problems with Patreon. Uh, we have a couple of, of, of members that's come and said they had to leave because Patreon was doing weird things or they couldn't get in or sign in properly. And to be honest with you, as much as we do love Patreon and the platform and we do thank them for what they put out there, Patreon was really never really set up, in our opinion, for podcasters. It is a platform for all different types of performers or entrepreneurs that they could use to monetize things if they wanted to, but it was never 100% set up for podcasting. So Geneva and I are going to be moving over to a platform called Supercast. Supercast was built 100% by podcasters, for podcasters, and it makes it very simple for you to join our uh, monetized feed if you wish. We're going to offer the same thing we offer over at Patreon as far as ad-free episodes over there, as well as some extra stuff. But here, you'll be able to get on with a couple of clicks. So it's not going to take you four or five things or doing this and that. It's as simple as pulling up the link that we give you, going to your phone, accepting it, It'll ask you what podcast reader you want to read or you want it to go to, and boom, you're in. Now, here's the cool thing about that, though. 
we're offer we're able to do something over here that we were not able to do at Patreon. So we're able to give you guys a seven day free trial over here. So that means if you want to check out the premium feed, what all we got on that, if you want to hear what it sounds like without having all the commercials and ads that you do hear running at the beginning, the middle, and the end, you got seven full days to try that out. And our price is not going to be that ridiculous. We're going to go, we're going to charge you five bucks a month. It'd be five bucks a month for all of that. Now, what you're going to get for that, though, is all of our current stuff. And we're going to go back and we're going to send all of our, at least most of the stuff that we still have from our old catalog up there. So if you haven't heard any of our season one or season two episodes and you'd like to do that without commercials, you can be able to go there and do that. Plus, and even I, uh, starting in season four, we're going to be working on just some content just for Supercast members. And it's going to be easier for us to do it over here um, because of the way that Supercast is set up. So we're going to be doing all kinds of stuff. We'll do some stuff for you, like a one case a month. Uh, if you guys, whoever is Supercast members, if you guys have suggestions, we'll take suggestions and that'll trump whatever our schedule is. Uh, so there'll be a lot of things coming up over there. So I am working on it right now. The link for our Supercast will be in the description of this episode. If you do decide to go join over there, understand that we're still getting things over there and still getting things up. So this part, this episode will appear there and there'll be a few more. So just bear with us. Again, you do have seven day free trial over there. You can cancel at any time. And we are going to give you a monthly and a yearly subscription over there. So we're super excited to be going over to the Supercast platform. I think it makes it better for all of us, uh, makes it better for you guys who are the, the customer over there. Um, Cause I do know a lot of people said they wanted to help support the show, but Patreon was being a little cumbersome. And plus, you know, even though you are supporting the show, we kind of look at it at, at giving you the best of David crime, right? So you get a David crime with no commercials and the way we intended it to be and the whole thing. So that's what we want to bring to you guys. So Patreon, we're going away pretty soon. If you are a patron over there, we thank you. We hope that you will switch up and that you will come over and join us at Supercast. It'd be a nice, cleaner interface for you. Uh, and the cooler thing that I like about it is you guys have your own feed. This is you guys' feed. Anything that we send through there will automatically drop for you. All right. So with that being said, one last thing is, as last week we announced that we do have our own merch shop open right now at T Public. There will be a link going down here in this description. You can get all of your Day With Crime merchandise, sweatshirts, you know, hoodies, shirts, mugs, you name it, we got it. And it's not just all our stuff either. So we do have other stuff in there that you can go check out, different designs of different things. A big sale will be coming up starting on November 3rd. This is shot on the 2nd. So if you go and listen now between the 3rd, I think it's the 7th or the 8th, you click on that, they're going to have a sale going on site-wide. $13 t-shirts. That's $13 down from $25. So if you want to get your David Crime merchandise, head over to that link for Public, and we're going to appreciate it for you. All right, with that being said, guys, we thank you for tuning in to this episode. We know that you have many choices in True Crime Podcast, and we thank you that for the last two and a half years, you have chosen us. So, as always, don't commit any crimes out there. So you don't end up on our podcast. Thank you for listening to A Day With Crime. 
artwork created by Geneva McClam. Sound mixing and editing done by David McClam. Don't forget to subscribe and join us on our social media outlets at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash a day with crime, Twitter at a day with crime, Instagram at a day with crime. If you'd like to support the show, you can do so at patreon.com forward slash a day with crime. You can also email us at a day with crime at gmail.com and youtube.com forward slash a day with crime. Thank you for listening. And as always, a crime a day keeps the doctor away. Until next time.